every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello, and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Kyle Lacey, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Seismic. Kyle was formerly the CMO of Lessonly, which was acquired by Seismic earlier this year. He's a three-time author, sought-after conference speaker, and strategic advisor to multiple companies. He also has experience leading marketing teams through successful IPOs and acquisitions, and in marketing leadership at Exact Target and Salesforce. On this episode, Kyle opens up about the experience of the recent acquisition, how he's had to adapt his demand gen strategies across companies, and his advice for a winning ABM stack. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Kyle Lacey, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Seismic, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by special guest, Kyle, how are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Super excited to chat with you today. We had you on a different podcast a while back. And so it's really exciting to have you on Demand Gen Visionaries. We're going to dive super deep into all things marketing at Seismic and, uh, and your background. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in Demand Gen? How did I get started in demand gen? It was probably when I was in high school and my I had a mowing company. It was the first time that I remember doing direct mail, like postcards, sending postcards out to neighborhoods in order to <laughs> in order to drive business. So that's the first time. Second time, college, we we ran a record label at Anderson University where I attended school and we had to do demand gen arounds albums. And then of course, you know, as you get into the world of software, demand gen is pretty much primary for growth. But my first memory is the postcard for picture perfect yard care. And uh, we undercut the competition by like 20%. (laughs) To never argue on price. (laughs) That's awesome. And so, uh, you know, flash forward to today, tell us a little bit about your role uh, as SVP of marketing at Seismic. So I'm very lucky to serve the marketing team at seismic that includes brand demand it includes thought leadership segment marketing partner marketing video like anything you could possibly think of that's outbound marketing efforts seismic sales enablement leader you know the marketing team at seismic is 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 a little bit different than what we were experiencing at lessonly which was my past role because seismic has more of an enterprise sales motion so for us it's about it's more of a focus on ABM, more of the high touch type, like top of funnel approach. We still have the normal things like organic and and the website's really important. But, you know, we have an ABM model. We also have a named account model, right? And then we have, of course, the, the normal stuff, but the normal channels for demand gen. But overall, it pretty much touches every part of the experience for Seismic. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with 
in the nest, are we not? This is where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. So starting off, tell me a little bit more about Seismic's persona, the customers, uh, and who you are marketing to. So, I mean, it's sales enablement software. So we're marketing to product marketing. We're marketing to sales enablement leaders. We're marketing to sales leaders because it's really about enabling teams. It's about engaging buyers through the sales process and then improving the efforts of the sales reps. And that spans across everything from high tech to financial services. And so that's usually the persona. If you notice, I mean, if you think about it over the past five years, the title of sales enablement, right? You're starting to see more sales enablement teams being built. It's grown pretty significantly. And so it's really about how do you make sure that your rep or actually anyone at the company understands who you're selling to and then uses content appropriately through the sales process. And through that, you see the added value of increased close rates, you know, quota attainment, productivity increases, all that stuff. And so how do you structure your marketing team uh, to go acquire those accounts? What does that sales marketing relationship look like? So the way we divide it out would be thought leadership. So research, how do you approach top of funnel content, the web content marketing. We also have brand and creative. So social PR creative services, basically like an internal agency almost that supports the company as a whole. And then you have the demand gen teams that support the different segments, you know, whether that's enterprise or mid-market or commercial. Um, And then those teams help support EMEA, APAC, and our financial services segment as well. And so, you know, diving in a little deeper into that kind of like buying committee and how you uh, how you market to those folks, based off the fact that, you know, like sales enablement and, and salespeople um, are, uh, well, they're salespeople, so they know exactly how to be sales and, and uh, are sold and marketed to. How do you go about like thinking about your strategy for demand gen to reach an audience that uh, is, is pretty savvy? You know, this is, it's a fairly new process for me being, being, um, part of Leslie, which was acquired by Seismic. So I'm still learning this. But what Seismic does really well is value-added selling, where instead of talking about the product feature, and I'm going to butcher this for sure because I'm just now learning about it, right? But it's pretty straightforward. Instead of selling a product feature, instead of selling like, hey, we have all of these widgets that you can use, it's selling the value of the product and what it brings to you as a customer, right? So if you... If you implement seismic in terms of content management, you're saving the reps time, but you're also increasing their quota attainment. And if you have 5,000 AEs and you're increasing quota attainment across a certain percentage of them, that's going to deliver more money to the business, right? More value. Seismic does that really well. And that's a way, I think that's just a different way of thinking for a lot of companies. So you're seeing a added value being marketed, right? Like an ROI statement instead of a feature set. Yeah. And, you know, what was that kind of change like for you? You know, Lessonly gets acquired, you're going into this new company. As a marketing leader, you know, like this is something that is obviously a huge change. You need to kind of like integrate the marketing teams. You're selling to, 
I mean, you're selling to like a, a, a similar but kind of like different kind of value prop and kind of segment of, of the market. What was that process like for you? The whole value added selling motion wasn't that much of a change because we had started doing that at Lessonly. It's very much something that you need to prove in an enterprise sales motion. The difference between the two companies is the sales motions, basically. Uh, there's different segments like industries that we sell into as Lessonly and Seismic, but Lessonly is very much a commercial high velocity seismics enterprise, right? So we sell to the same types of people. It's just different sizes of companies. So it pairs really well because we are doing high velocity commercial SMB type models and seismics really good at the enterprise sales motion. So we're not overlapping. Yeah, that's super interesting. Obviously, you know, like <laughs> anytime a company gets acquired, you're always like, seems like there's a lot of thought that goes into this. It's almost like these these two companies fit together perfectly. You know, as as you kind of move up into the enterprise in terms of like, you know, your marketing here and as as you think about that, I'm curious, like, you know, are you starting to think about different industries, different size customers, obviously? What was your kind of like process like going into this to say, okay, we're opening up this entire new group of prospects and we need to kind of uh, retool some of our marketing? Or are there certain things that you were doing from like that SMB perspective that it's like, hey, these are actually a bunch of lessons that we could bring over and leverage in the in the enterprise uh, you know, arena? I think they're they're so compatible. I mean, it was just a great situation overall, right? I mean, where Lessonly was really good at the inbound model, right? Great at the inbound model. Seismic's really good at the outbound sales motion, right? So you can learn from each other there for sure. You can share things that have worked on both sides, both sides of the house. And also from a go-to-market motion, you know, when you're selling into huge enterprises, named account models and ABM strategy matters, right? And the ABM model at Seismic's very different than the ABM model that's at Lessonly, and they can learn from each other for sure. You know, I don't think that a lot has changed. It's just the differences in how we approach some of the more fine tactical things like production or Seismic's dealing in a global arena. Lessonly was North America. There's a big difference there, right? When you're selling into Germany and France and UK and APAC, like Australia. Um, you've got to manage expectations with localization, with time differences, with support, and then um, making sure that, you know, Seismic's a big company. Lessonly, it was fairly easy for alignment. So a very important part of demand gen is the alignment between marketing, product, sales, and customer service, right? It's kind of easy when you got 250 people and 190 of them are in Indianapolis, you know, you can yell at somebody across the room. <laughs> but when you, when, you know, Seismic's now over 1,200 and we're in, we're in multiple countries. So you got you to gotta push even harder internally to make sure that you're aligned on campaigns, on product launches, making sure the demand gen team is aligned with product marketing, product marketing is aligned with uh, product management. We're enabling sellers appropriately with our software, right, about the product roadmap and just making sure that everybody is focused on the right things. Because as you grow and as you scale, prioritization is extremely important because you can get lost in the in the weeds. I'm curious, you know, when, um, as you're kind of like doing some of that integration there, you know, post-acquisition, how do you look at like enabling those sales reps to say like, hey, you know, this whole product suite 
you know, might be a better fit for a bunch of the prospects that you're probably like, you know, a year ago, you weren't looking at, uh, or you were, you were talking to, and you're like, this, we're just not a fit right now. You know, every business model is different, but a lot of high tech, fast growing software companies have enablement teams. Seismic has a very large enablement team and they sit in the center of marketing and product and customer service and sales and rev ops and all the other business units. And they enable everybody on whatever we're talking about. Like if we're introducing a new segment of financial services, they are enabling the sellers and the customer service team to make sure that they understand how to talk to that persona, talk to that buyer. And if marketing has a new campaign coming out, we are using software, lessonly seismic, to enable the sales team on what the campaign's about. What are the deliverables in the campaign? Here are all the pieces of content that you can use throughout the sales cycle, and here's when you should use them, right? As any company scales and you're bringing on 10, 20, 30 account executives, you're scaling sales, you're scaling CS, you have to have a team that lives in the center that enables. Because if you don't, it's just going to be a mess because nobody can keep track of everything, especially when you're growing fast. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. And I know that because of, uh, you know, you had your tactics at Lessonly and now, uh, now at Seismic. So they might be, uh, might be a little bit of both here. But what are three channels or tactics that are your most uncuttable budget items? Oh, the uncuttable budget items. Um, any channel, probably mostly organic or paid, that drives demo requests to the website so some you know from the lessonly side and even the seismic side organic i think companies traditionally have underinvested in search engine optimus seo and organic that's number one number two i think there is a brand element here that's uncuttable it's very important that you invest in the brand because brand drives demand and vice versa you know it's pretty much brand drives demand in my opinion and that can include a user conference, maybe. That can include a book that you're doing. Um, that can include some other major, major event. And I'd say the third one, especially for an organization like Seismic, would be the ABM strategy. If done correctly, it is extremely powerful when it comes to driving top of the funnel demand with intent, but also middle of the funnel when you're trying to move 50 people through a sales cycle. 50 is a lot, but you know what I mean. A, a large group of people that are making a buying decision. Some pack those a little bit. So from an SEO standpoint, interesting that you said that p- people, it's it's still underinvested. Why do you think that is? Is it just like uh, unwillingness to to spend the money or is it is it just like a, a weakness in strategy or what do you think? I think it's a weakness in strategy. I don't, I don't know if anybody, I don't hear it talked about a lot. It's like one of those things like email marketing's dead or direct mail's dead or whatever. Like you have to invest in all of it. I mean, it has to be a holistic demand gen strategy. And a lot of times people over index in paid or SEM and under index on search and organic. Yeah. So it's funny. I was talking to a um, creative director of a very 
high profile kind of like unicorn company the other day. And um, they were saying that when they came into the role that it was just like basic SEO 101 was like their biggest problem coming in. They're just like, we have stuff and it's just like nobody has looked at it from an SEO perspective basically ever. No one was ever doing it. And I thought that was so, I mean, they're like a massive company now, a very fast growing company. And I thought that was such a funny thing, right? It's like, you know, a company that's like prepping for an IPO, it has essentially isn't even doing SEO 101. Yeah, and, and but it depends on the business model. I think all of this is dependent on the business, right? Like, lessonly, from the very beginning, the marketing leaders started doing organic. So we have eight years of organic search. That is why we drive a ton of organic traffic, right? But a three-year-old company that's raised $300 million is not going to have an organic strategy. They're trying to figure out what to spend the money on. Honestly, now, do I think that organic and SEO and pillar pages and whether you use like a demand well or bright edge, do I think that's important? Yes. But, you know, if you're trying to drive top of funnel growth and scale it exponentially in a short amount of time, organic's not, organic's going to be important in the long run, but not in, not in that, you know, six month time frame. I mean, that's a great point though, right? Is like, if you're coming into a role and there's, you, you know, you are doing your audit and you're like, we have SEO 101 is, is not kind of being done here. And you have the three-year-old company that's raised the hundred million bucks and you're, you know, and they've been doing a lot of pay to get to those milestones and you want to build a more sustainable, you know, long-term growth strategy. What would be your recommendation there to say like, Hey, how should we start investing in this? Outsource it. There are great agencies that do search great like i and that's and that's what's so funny about it is that you can especially if you have the cash find a search agency that can do the content development that can do the strategy and outsource it if you have the money to do it if you don't you need to think through you know spending money on a content marketer that has some knowledge of seo maybe spend some money on a demand well or an SEM rush like get some technology in there to help you and then build it out but if you're if you just raised a $100 million Series B, hire a freaking agency <laughs> and just do it. Just have it part of your, your process, your model. You mentioned ABM. What investments would you be making in ABM? Your first investment is a, a, a person that's done it. I think a lot of times people, people hand ABM to a marketer. You really need somebody that truly understands how to build an ABM strategy because it's a strategy it's not a tactic and then you've got to buy the software to help support it and really it's not a specific piece of software it's a stack right whether that's demand base and postal and zoom info with the data right you've got it or and with bombora with intent you've got to build the stack um, and then you have to have a sales team that actually understands what a named account strategy is mm-hmm. where it's a it's not 15,000 companies. It's each rep has their top 10. And then the ABM team is helping develop marketing tactics to reach the buyers in those 10 companies. That's the very tactical side of it. And then you've got to figure out how to make sure you're doing top of funnel with ABM with intent, right? Like if somebody's surging on intent, 
then you want to try to figure out how you reach them in some way to give air cover. But ultimately, it's hiring somebody that's done it. People go buy the software first, which I, I've done twice and it's failed twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is something that from an ABM you know, standpoint that would be one of those tactics that you, you can start doing and working? Well, if you, whoever's listening to this, you should go check out Scott Barker from Outreach. He has brilliant ideas around uh, these named account ABM strategies, just as a side note. Some of the tactics are, hey, if you're selling into a business unit at an enterprise company and you know who the buyer is, and you also know who the champion is, maybe the buyer's boss, you want to get the buyer's boss on a podcast. And then you want to get the buyer on a blog post. Or you want the champion. Uh, one thing that we did at Lessonly, which was not quite ABM, but it, but it kind of fashioned it this way, was we would send a golden llama to the boss of the buyer and have the boss give the golden llama to the buyer to say, hey, thanks for doing great work. And it helped us connect the dots between the buyer and the champion. And, uh, and then, of course, there's the normal stuff like you know, doing the display advertising and understanding what companies are surging and when and making sure that you're delivering ads on a normal basis. But for me, true ABM is the high touch, invite to a invite to a wine tasting, send a direct mail, like give them a book, like that type of stuff where it's personalized. You mentioned the golden llama. Is that an actual golden llama? What are you talking about here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You need some context here. So Leslie's mascot is Ali Llama. Every quarter we gave some of our top employee that lived out our values as a company, a golden llama. So it's like an award. And um, at one point, um, Ben Battaglia, who was our director of marketing at the time, said we should send golden llamas to our prospects and customers. And so we found this manufacturing firm in upstate Michigan that made these three-inch llamas. And I <laughs> spray painted like 3,000 of them gold. I'm going to die young for sure, because I've inhaled like 50 cans of spray paint. But we sent, we've sent about 5,000 of them out. And people would take pictures with the Golden Llamas. You would have a boss give an employee. We even have customers that give their own Golden Llama awards for the people that take the most lessons or have the best enablement programs. And that was, that was a way to share our culture with our customer and prospect base but it was very much an ABM strategy because we had an account and we had certain people in the account that we were sending things to. A very uh, simplified ABM model. Can I say I love the Lesson Lee website and it's so rad. It's just got beautiful design. It's super simple. It's awesome. I'm curious, how do you, uh, how do you view the website? The website is our, and this goes for Seismic as well, the website's your second most important product. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of marketers think that way, is that you should be investing almost the same amount of time and energy in making your website powerful, easy to use, that your product team is spending on your the product you sell. Because it is the land, I mean, it's your storefront. It is your brand. It's your identity, right? So, you know, part of my philosophy, this also applies to demand gen, actually, is follow D to C or retail brands. And a lot of our discovery that we did for the Lessonly site was more on direct-to-consumer or B2C brands than B2B, than our peers. 
any places that you took inspiration from? I mean, I, I will always go look at Square. I love everything that Square does. I, I think it's simple. I love everything that Warby Parker does. Monday.com is actually a B2B brand that because they took a consumer route to marketing through YouTube ads and stuff like that, they, they beat out a lot of their competition because they took more of a B2C approach. I want to know how much they spent on that because everybody's seen those YouTube ads. They are killing it. They are killing it. Because, and, I, and that's not only reason. Like, There's a lot of product-led growth motions in there that are important, but you know, you've got, they just won. They did it correctly. Right place, right time. The need was there. And they, and they grew the product, which is also a demand gen motion, right? Like product-led growth is very powerful if you do it correctly. Do you have a favorite campaign that, uh, that you've done over the years at, uh, at Lessonly or, uh, or something that you're, you're cooking up at Seismic? Go, the Golden Llama campaign is my favorite. Second favorite would probably be we did a board game. We designed our own board game. Cool. The third is we launched a clothing line called Ollie Llama & Co. So if you go to ollielama.co, we have a bunch of clothing that has – it's basically our brand. So we also use this in ABM. You can give gift cards to prospects to go buy clothing, and it, none of it has – it's not lessonly branded. It's just Ollie Llama & Co. It's, a, it's just a simple Shopify store. How do you spell it? O L L I E L L A M A, Alilama.co. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. Okay. This is great. So, we actually launched it as our uh, anybody can steal this, by the way, if you're listening to this, but we launched this clothing line. It's on demand printing, but we sent all of our customers gift cards for a holiday gift. So, instead of sending like a postcard, they could go onto Alilama and, and order a shirt or something for their kids. That's so funny. I love it. We'll have to do that. I'll, I'll do this with the Caspian caribou. You should. You should. Do a golden caribou. <laughs> I know, right? I might steal all this. This is great. <laughs> you should. What about, uh, what about one channel or tactic that you invested in that you wouldn't return to? Doing ABM incorrectly. I tried to do it three times at Lessonly over the past four and a half years. And we're finally getting to the point because we have a marketing leader, Sam O., that knows what he's doing. My biggest mistake was buying software first and not understanding what to do with it. Because people that buy software first, I don't care if it's six cents, terminus, demand base, any of them, all they do is use it for display advertising and intent. And ultimately, that's a tactic as part of an overall strategy. So if you're going to do it, you need to plan what ABM strategy looks like before you go and invest in all these things. And the biggest mistake that I made and that I think most people make is they just go buy the software first. Do you have a campaign that you ran over uh, the past couple of years that was your biggest learning experience? Uh, maybe maybe not the best results, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a good one. We um, So Zendesk was a big partner of Lessonly because half of our business... You know, we sold into a lot of customer service teams, like call centers, and we did Zen Gardens for the Zendesk event. So it was like a little miniature Zen Gardens that had Zendesk Plus Lessonly on it that we took to the booth. Nobody wanted them because they were heavy. And so you're at a conference, people are coming to the booth and they're like, where am I going to put this? 
So, so we gave away like 20 of them. We ordered, I don't know how many we ordered, probably close to 500, like a lot. You can't ship them. They're too heavy. Right. So it's, so eventually we had to, we donated a lot of them to, to, I actually have no idea where we donated them. And we had to throw away like a large amount of them because nobody wanted them. That was not a good campaign. <laughs> By the way, who'd you use for drop shipping for the Ali Lama? It's screen. It's a company called screen broidery. And shout out to them. They're local in Indianapolis. Cause that's always the problem that I've had with drop shipping stuff is I just never feel like the quality is like what I, you know, aspire to. Yeah, they've, they've been great. It's pretty high quality. Now, uh, we, you know, we're not, there's no, we're not making any money off of this, right? They keep, if there's any margin there, I'm pretty sure they keep it, right? I, we, but because for the costs, we're paying for a higher quality stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And a lot of this stuff is gift cards. So we're paying for a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, even just to send, even just to send swag to your, you know, to your customers and things like that. Cool. Very cool. Let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitors, or anyone else. Kyle, have you had a memorable dust up in your career? I don't know if it was like an argument, but when, when I first joined Lessonly, the first board meeting I went to, Scott Dorsey, who was CEO of Exact Target, who was on the board at, at Lessonly, looked at me and said, we need, to do a, we need to do a conference. And I was like, this is my first VP of marketing role, my first board meeting in the first two weeks of my job. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I walked into building the conference out as a product showcase like I learned at Exact Target, like I saw at Salesforce. And Max, who's CEO lessonly and the founder, co-founder, he didn't want to do it. There was not a lot he wanted to talk about for the product. He wanted it to be more relational. And it took me a couple months to come around to actually understand why he wanted it that way. And I remember a couple pretty tense conversations where I was like, what do you mean you don't want to talk about the roadmap? Because we had one, right? And that was probably that was probably the main one at Lessonly. The beauty at Lessonly was that nonviolent communication and clarity was something we talked about almost weekly. So there wasn't a lot of situations where there was dust-ups. It was mainly like you're sharing before ready. You're using nonviolent communication and you're seeking clarity. And that's what we talked about as a leadership team all the freaking time. So when there was discussions and disagreements, it usually was pretty level-headed when it came to like what we were trying to accomplish. You know, you have the certain situations where, you know, the sales team is sharing a pipeline number that the marketing team's never seen because you're using two separate reports and then you get into a dust up over what the hell are you even looking at, right? Like that happens all the time. But I, I don't really have situations where it has been a hardcore dust up. No, that's good. Let's get to our next and final segment. Quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like conversational marketing with qualified qualified prospects are on your website right now and you can talk to them quickly with 
qualified. Go to qualified.com to learn more. We love qualified. They're the best. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com. Quick questions. Kyle, are you ready? I'm ready, I think. Number one, if you weren't in marketing or business at all, what do you think you'd be doing? History teacher. Civil War or World War II, military history. College or probably college. Well, as someone who tried their darndest at West Point to, uh, in our, it's called Mill Art um, classes, uh, I can tell you that I am not the world's best military historian, but I have learned an <laughs> absolute ton about it. I love it. That was, what, that was 100%. Yeah, there you go. You probably know more than I do. If you could recommend one person that is currently living to join you and I for an episode of this podcast, who would it be? Robin Daniels. Yeah, love Rob. Shout out to Robin. Yeah, shout out to Robin or Tara Robertson from Teamwork or Sydney Sloan from Sales Law. Love Sydney too. Gosh, all of our favorites. What's your favorite uh, book or TV show or, or podcast or, or something that you've been listening to recently? Um, I have been listening to, well, I love anything from Ron Chernow, or I'm pretty much butchering his name, but he, he wrote like House of Morgan and a lot of historical uh, books. Right now I'm reading Obama's new book, or I'm listening to it. It's good. A lot of policy stuff in it. A little, little dry sometimes, but I, I recommend it. And then I'm re-watching Friday Night Lights, which was a good show back in the day. I don't, I'm not sure why I'm re-watching it, but I've enjoyed it recently. What do you do for fun? Uh, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I have two boys, and uh, we love to play cars. We go to a lot of soccer matches because my five-year-old's in two te- on two teams and my three-year-old's on one team. Um, I mean, when we for fun, it's pretty much hanging out with my kids. If I brought you back one year from now, What's the biggest thing that changed in the industry, in the marketing world? You know what? The best thing about marketing is that it really doesn't change. The fundamentals of how you sell something, the experiences of a product, it does not matter what you're selling. It's all about the story and it's all about the experience. It doesn't matter if it's a bottle of Coke from 1803 which is probably before Coke was invented, <laughs> actually, now that I think about it. I think we're going to discover that uh, simplifying the buyer's journey is going to be more impactful, simplifying a lot of things. I think that we as marketers tend to overcreate sometimes. And I think we're going to look back a year from now and see that we have taken lessons from the leading brands today and have applied them. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO trying to figure out their demand-gen strategy? Find a community of peers that you can throw ideas off of. I'm part of Pavilion, which is an invite-only group of, of sales, marketing, CS, operations, finance leaders, and high-growth companies. Um, your, your community will make or break you. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, well, Kyle, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks so much for joining, as always. Now, now I'll hit the table. Yeah, hit the table, bang the table. Um, it's been great chatting with you. All of our listeners, definitely go check out uh, alilama.co for your llama-related needs. Check out Seismic. Uh, if you haven't, tell your sales enablement folks or, you know, they have stuff for marketers as well. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? 
No, I mean, if anybody wants to ever talk about this stuff, you can find me on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. I'm pretty active on both. And, you know, we have tons of stuff coming out from Seismic over the next year. So stay tuned. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Great chatting with you as always. Thank you. The Mangen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.